0: hello everybody today i have my friend and colleague reina Hannekamp with me and we will talk about testing hello reina
1: hello manfred hello everybody hi
0: so let's get started with a critical question namely reina you are doing a lot of stuff with quality assurance in the area of angular and i'm wondering why is this such a huge topic because honestly the real critical business logic is located in the back end. So wouldn't it be better if we started there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you can, of course, and you should, of course, start. But I think uh, the, the, the question is always um, should we also test the front end at all if the the, the, the main code is in the back end? Uh, this is something that I get. Of, uh, ask quite often. And here the answer is, I mean, of course, you should focus on the critical code first, but not only on the critical code, because the point is, um, even if you have a very well-tested code base, so let's say uh, we talk here about the classic online shop where a purchase comes in, and you are calculating the price. You check if the, if, if the product is still on stock and, and and if you have to apply some discounts and so on and everything of that is done in the backend. Let's consider such a typical example. Uh, then the problem is somehow this code must be triggered. Um, the only way how a purchase gets into the critical business code is via the front end. So doesn't help you at all if the frontend is buggy, but the critical code is perfect. It just doesn't work because the critical code, it doesn't run in isolation It all. Everything runs together and you have to make sure that everything works and not just parts of it. So what I quite often say is that the question maybe isn't really, do we have to test this part or do we only have to test this part? It's more about the intensity. You should try to cover everything. But the question is, of course, um, where should you spend uh, most of your time? And there the answer is, of course, yes. uh, Of course, for the critical code, but you shouldn't neglect the other parts. That's, I think is very important here.
0: Mm -hmm. I see, yeah so on the other side if you say we should think about where we test or how intense the tests are how to uh, find out what is really worth to be tested in a more or less intense way
1: yeah i mean uh, the question usually is if you look at the code or sometimes i mean of course if you have a good architecture you have these modules all in place And of course, they will tell you, you just need to take a look at the dependency graph and then you will very quickly find out what is uh, the the, the critical code and what not. If we, for example, we say we are working with uh, domain-driven design, then the modules which uh, are in that area are the most critical ones. Um, But I think again, here the question is, um, do we have to apply the same testing technique to each piece and, and here it's that I say, yes, uh, if we differentiate very roughly between unit tests and integration tests, then most of the time you would say the critical code, once you have identified it, you work, uh, you, you apply unit testing and integration testing to it. And the more non critical it gets, maybe the better is if you apply only the integrational techniques. And, and um, you, you only unit test the things where you say you have a lot of complexity in them. So even if you have, let's say an in an Angular service or a component, which is not so critical, but which what uh, but, but, but might have a lot of complexity inside, then I would apply the unit test. And otherwise I would say, okay, maybe we just test it or cover it via an integration test and are done with that.
0: Mm-hmm. So, that's interesting. That means you don't necessarily follow the testing pyramids. That is uh, quite well known out there.
1: Yes. Yes. So that's also, I mean, not really. I mean, we, we have to consider the testing pyramid, and um, how it has been constructed, because the testing pyramid says it is following after the criteria of um, speed. So so it clearly says says that unit tests you don't include so many things in a unit test, and that's the reason why they run so fast. And that's also the reason why you can have so many of them. And of course, uh, then it goes uh, upwards until you are you reach the end-to-end tests, and then you don't have uh, not so many of them. But this is just one criteria. There are also other criteria. And what I see is also you have to ha- have to include the 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 resources that you have, the time. Uh, you will have to meet a deadline. And then the question maybe is not really all about speed, but about efficiency. And when efficiency comes into place, then it can be very easily be the case that it just shifts because now you just um, say, okay, I have this amount of time to write testing code. And what is the maximum or what technique gives me the maximum out of this time? And there we find... But this, again, depends on the application style, on on, on the way the application is uh, on the type of the application. But if we say the front end is more or less, I mean, I have to be careful with these things because uh, they they very quickly end up in fights. But if the front end is more or less only getting data from the back end is structuring, transforming the data and preparing it for the presentation then we usually find very thin services uh, components and so on. And here in terms of efficiency, I would say that integration tests give you the best out of for your time because you can cover so a lot of services and also some components with writing one integration test versus if you write a unit test for each single and of course very thin service class, then it just takes a lot of time but maybe you don't get so much out of it. And yeah, because I said, uh, this depends on the architecture and the, pl- and the application type. Of course, if you have front end applications that also contain a critical business um, code, or something like this, and of course, uh, then it's not a question. Then you also have to write unit tests for that. Uh, but it, it just really depends on the complexity of your application. The less complex, the less, Thinner, I would say your elements are the more you tend to integration tests, the more complex it gets, the more you will also have to add unit tests.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Cool. So let's talk about tools because at yep. the end of the day, we need some tools to implement all those tests. Which tools do you use?
1: Yeah, so I don't go with the built-in tools from the Angular CLI. So I'm not using uh, Jasmine Karma. Uh, I, I I replaced it with Jest because I found it I found it more um, performant. And for the end-to-end testing tools, I mean, we all know that Protractor has been deprecated. So these days, or also also during the time when Protractor was still the the choice of the Angular CLI, I used already Cypress. And then of course, you also have other libraries that will help you around these core libraries, I, I would call them so, like uh, spectator, ng Mox, uh, puppeteer, especially when it comes to very specific tests. Um, the harnesses, for example, if you count this as an own library, it comes from the Angular material team. and. You know, lately, I'm also looking into playwright. Maybe that one will replace puppeteer in the near in the near future, but I'm not sure so far. I'm just playing with it a little bit, and we'll see how it goes. But that's mm-hmm. more or less the, the the tools that I use. Of course, uh, we should also not forget uh, tooling about uh, test coverage. Although test coverage is also a heavily debated topic, but nevertheless, I use it just that it gives me some hint, some kind of information where it tells me look there are these empty spaces these areas in your application which you haven't covered at all maybe you want to write a test for that so that's how i primarily see that the coverage tools
0: mm. so it's less a uh, goal you need to reach a kpa it's more a tool for finding ssa gaps in the source code
1: yes so i would say it's more an analysis tool and you always have to be careful about these uh, thresholds when you say you have to come up with 80 percent test coverage especially if the development team isn't behind that then you end up with just writing code for the sake of meeting uh, this this threshold and it's just in my opinion a waste of time so
0: yeah yeah that's that's a huge issue i can assume So one of the tools you mentioned is chest. Uh, at first glance, it really looks like Karma and jasmine. Uh, yes. Is that just new wine in old bottles?
1: Uh, no, I mean, it it, is an, uh, it It builds upon jasmine. Let's put it like that. I mean, chest uh, comes from, the, from, from Facebook directly. So they used jasmine in the beginning and they just saw that there have been some weaknesses let's call it like that especially when it comes to performance and this is uh, where they took jasmine improved it considerably and the result was Mm chest so what we have with chest is that it's just more performant because uh, with jasmine karma we know that um, every time you run a a test a browser is starting uh, the other tests are run of course and what Chess did is that they just removed the browser and replaced it with JS uh, Dom, which is a library which kind of emulates or simulates a browser. So uh, and, and of course, a lot of not so, not, 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 so not, not so heavy, let's put it like that. And this of course is very good for the performance then you have other things. Uh, Chest also provides parallel processing. So it can span a lot of processes and then your tests also run faster. And this is very important for the development process when we are coding and we want to run our tests in parallel. What Chest provides is that it knows or that it is aware that it says, okay, I just check the files that have been changed Um, due to your last git commit. And then it says, okay, you have changed three files and chest knows which tests it must run, Mm. um, which one it it can just skip because they are not touched or don't have any effect of the changes that you have. So if if you say you have a big project with 10,000 tests or even more, and you make only small changes, then chest is aware of that and it only runs two or three tests and that's it. And this is a way how you can also use them in parallel because now 10,000 tests aren't running, only two or three of them. So this is very efficient.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds awesome. So you mainly mentioned uh, performance aspects. But on the other side, you also mentioned that Chest uh, is using JS DOM. That means there is no real browser in place can yes. this be a drawback
1: Now, of course uh, this can be a problem for example if you want to use browser specific functionalities you don't have a problem when you're writing tests in karma jasmine because you are running against the browser uh, let's say you use you're using uh, local storage or session storage so some of these things mm-hmm. unfortunately they are not uh, there or they are not available in chest so you can emulate them but most of the time it ends up that you can't just write tests that are using these things so you will have to mock them Mm -hmm. in some way or you just go a step further and use cypress or another end-to-end testing tool to test this as well because then you always have a browser so this is the alternative
0: i see i think mocking such things away is in general a good idea isn't it
1: Yes, 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 of course. I mean, otherwise the setup would just be too complex and you just mock it away and then you hope that the browser knows that how the local storage should work in reality. But uh, yeah, hopefully (laughs) that would
0: be great if it knew it. So you also mentioned Cypress for end-to-end testing. Why did you choose for Cypress?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are three reasons. Uh, The first one is definitely, I mean, compared to Protractor, I mean, of course, there are a lot of other alternatives out there, but compared to Protractor, it's definitely the the stability and the developer experience that I have. It's just much easier to write tests with Cypress. The feedback cycle is so fast. It's just And and, and you can just enjoy writing end-to-end tests when you compare it with the the old days of of Selenium or even Protractor. And of course, the stability. So you can really rely that the tests that they run and you don't have the situations where you um, open your machine in the morning, the CI is telling you the end-to-end tests failed again, then you restart them, then it turns green and nobody really knows what happened. Uh, This just doesn't happen with Cypress anymore. And the other two reasons are that um, we know that Protractor has been deprecated. And here the question is, of course, what should, I mean, is there some kind of an official successor? And at the moment, the answer is no. So if you Mm. at the moment create a new Angular project, you don't have any end-to-end test folder anymore because there is nothing there officially. and. Of course, uh, there is this NX extension to the Angular CLI. And this is one that I like a lot because NX, they have been providing better tooling, the better libraries for many years now. And since the beginning, as far as I know, they always have have used Cypress. So when it comes to the integration, because I always, if I'm responsible for the choice of my end-to-end test, then I also have to make sure for the setup that it works together with Angular and so on. And if I know that a big player in the Angular ecosystem like NX is doing that job for me, mm. of course so, then I just pick it. Uh, so, so 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 that's definitely one 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 very important reason. And the third one for me was that in the announcement that Protractor will be deprecated. Angular also the Angular team also presented a survey that they did among all the developers, and there they asked which in to end tool they are already using. Um, the survey showed that more than sixty percent of the Angular developers are already using Cypress, and you could could say well that's the majority already, and that wow. was wow. yeah, and, and that was the time before the announcement of the of pro of Protractor came actually out so this was the time when cypress was still the you know, unofficial one and protractor the official one
0: so wow that's quite a number 60 yes, percent 60, yeah not even 60 before they <laughs> 60. announced the deprecation of of protractor wow yes so what do you think in general about this deprecation the angular team, as you mentioned deprecated Protractor. Uh, yeah. is this quite a hard cut
1: It definitely is a hard cut if you have a lot of uh, tests written in Protractor because uh, you you stand now for the decision what you should use. I mean, you have two choices. Uh, One is that you still go the way because of Protractor. I mean, Protractor is just a wrapper around Selenium WebDriver. And if you use a framework which is also based on WebDriver, then of course, it's kind of possible to migrate all your end-to-end tests. It's not so hard, let's put it like that. The problem still is the stability. I've never met a person who who told me, I am so happy with my Selenium tests. Everything is so stable. I don't want to go away. Everybody is crying more or less. I can't stand it anymore. And here the question is, that you really say okay maybe we want to continue with webdriver if not you have to look for an alternative there are some reasons why you can't use cypress especially if your application spans spans over multiple origins that would mm-hmm. be a problem or if you need cross browser support so if you say you have to test you have to run the end to end tests in safari for example then cypress is not a good choice other than that if that's not a problem for you, Cypress is definitely worth a look, but you have to be aware that there is no real migration. It's a rewriting of mm-hmm. your end-to-end tests because Cypress works completely different. So answering your question, uh, the decision, yeah. I mean, Angular will have the reasons for that. As far as I understood, they had to maintain they had to maintain protractor because it has been written by angular itself already for angular js and they said they it's not worth it anymore and yeah mm-hmm. i see we have yeah. To accept it as it is
0: awesome yeah so you mentioned cypress does not support all the browsers it is great when it comes to stable testing it gives you a good developer experience it makes it almost fun to create tests but you also mentioned not all browsers are supported how do you deal with this limitation in practice
1: well uh, the point is that we say uh, the question is do you really think or do you really have the situation that you say you must also run these tests in safari because most of the time we see that If you have an error, it doesn't really depend anymore if it's in Safari or in Firefox or some Chrome browser, the error will appear in all of these three. So uh, most of the time, I think you should think about that, that you say, okay, although I'm limited, I mean, to Chromium browsers and also to Firefox, yeah, I take it and I say, okay, it's 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 not worth it to spin up all the infrastructure that I require for the web driver environment. I just go with the Cypress one and accept that there is a very low probability that I'm not catching errors that will only occur on on Safari. Hmm. This is uh, this is the, the the decision that you have to make. And I most of the time I, I would suggest that you also include the business people because you have to tell them, look. These are the two options that you have. The web driver option costs a lot of things, uh, costs a lot of more money, of course. You Maybe you don't get the stability, but you will have the Safari tests. On the other side, we will fetch most majority of the bugs if we only run it on Chromium. It costs less and it's, and it's more stable. So what should it be?
0: Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So... I have also seen that you are using Storybook for testing. So at first sight, this does not make much sense because Storybook is not about testing. It's about other use cases. So how does this come together?
1: Yes, yes. So as you said, at first sight, Storybook looks a little bit strange because the Storybook is something like a widget gallery. So what Storybook provides you is a framework where you say you have multiple components inside of your Angular applications. You just extract it from the application and you place it as you would do with a normal gallery. I mean, there are also companies which have built their own Storybook instance, of course, but Storybook provides you with everything that you need. Now, the point is uh, what you can do with a Storybook. When you have isolated these components, you can, as I mentioned before, you could also also use Cypress to run special component tests against it. Mm -hmm. This is especially important when you are building libraries. So let's say you build something like a big data grid, you can remove it from your application. You just, set up storybooks so that it runs that data grid in an isolated manner. You don't have all this boilerplate code from your application that you need to log in and whatever to come actually to this data grid. You can just isolate it. And then you have the advantage that you can use Cypress, for example, uh, to run tests against it. Because with Cypress, you don't have these problems that you have to deal with change detection, asynchronity. It just works like a normal user would do it, just waits until the results are there and of course you also don't need so much structure i mean although cypress is an end-to-end testing tool and you usually test the complete application with cypress that's not the case here you just test parts of it and you don't need to set up a database or a complete backend to run the application it's just storybook itself and then of course It's not a problem with chest anymore when it doesn't support local storage, session storage or some other APIs. It's just the browser again with Mm. Cypress tooling. Um, That's of course very good. That's a a very good alternative. And the second use case is for visual visual regression. So when you say you have components which look quite nice, you have spent a lot of time in implementing this CSS and you want to make sure that it stays, that the look stays as it is now, then you can apply visual regression, which means you're making a screenshot. And when you do this, of course, you also only want to screenshot the component itself. So you're again, mm-hmm. before the problem that you need to extract your component out of the application. You don't want to have a background image, a side menu, a navigation bar, that should all, all should be done. Just the component itself, nothing else. And Storybook is giving you exactly that. The only thing that you still require is something to make the screenshot. And here you have uh, the choice between puppeteer, playwright. They can do that. Or even Cypress. You can also mm-hmm. do screenshotting with Cypress these days.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Especially the first thing you mentioned, uh, because every time I try to test the template, the dome yeah. with a traditional unit test, it is just a pain, isn't it? And yes. it seems to be quite a relief.
1: Yes, so so chest so does have this snapshotting technology. And in the beginning, when I saw it, I, I thought, well, that's exactly the screenshot, but it isn't, it's just a serialization of the component. And even worse, it removes all the CSS classes. So you have no verification of the layout at all uh, so you're really need mm. something like something else
0: awesome cool and you don't need to to deal with the manual change detection anymore yes, it just yes. works because yeah. it's in the browser isn't it yes
1: yeah, so the Cypress just clicks on the button it waits four seconds until the result uh, should appear and of course you should uh, th- that's not a big uh, deal anymore so mm-hmm. much easier
0: Okay, nice. So let's assume, I think this is more of a theoretical question, but let's assume someone does not have any tests at all. Yeah, I know this never happens in practice, but let's just assume this. It takes uh, some fantasy, I know. Uh, What would you recommend this person?
1: Yeah, so I've never seen this in any workshop, <laughs> or also not in my projects. No, no. <laughs> Every time, full coverage and so on. No, I'm just joking. Uh, but the point is uh, that there is. this is actually a big challenge uh, because, uh, first of all, you have to know how to write tests if you don't have written any tests so far and you are confronted now with an existing application, make it testable, this is very hard. And the second is making it testable. This is the problem because... What you have to do now is that very likely you have to rewrite your code. You have to refactor your application so that it becomes testable. You can't just Mm -hmm. test everything just because it's there. It must be bent a little bit towards testability. Now, the problem is as soon as you start with the refactoring, as soon as you start to restructure your code, you have a very high risk that you introduce new bugs And this is absolutely not the thing that you want. So I would um, deal with this, or I would go in in two phases. Mm -hmm. In the first phase, I would say, I write end-to-end tests that test the happy paths. Why end-to-end tests? Because they are not coupled against the implementation at all. The only important thing is that the end-to-end test says, okay, there must be a button, there must be an input field. As long as it is there, I am happy. It doesn't care of how many components that exists, how many servers are required to run this component and so on. So it's completely decoupled from your actual code. Mm-hmm. And As soon as you have that, you have some kind of safety net. You have to decou- take cover the, the safety of the tests that, that verify that the application is running. And then you can start refactoring your application mm-hmm. towards testability and if something breaks, it is very likely that the end-to-end tests will tell you that. Of course, there will be some edge cases that you will not cover with end-to-end tests. This is a risk that you have to take, but at least the happy path should stay secured. And this Mm -hmm. is what what the end-to-end tests will do.
0: Okay, cool. Creating a safety net. Yeah. I'm really glad we talked about this theoretical case.
1: Yes, 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 yes
0: uh let's switch the topic (laughs) because you have this new testing workshop this new angular testing workshop let's talk a bit about it uh which topics do you cover there
1: Uh, we are covering the complete testing pyramid Uh, so we are really starting at the bottom and then we just uh, go our way upwards from the technologies we are using the ones that i have already mentioned so chest with with all this tooling uh, and of course, Cypress, and when we come to the end-to-end tests, we will also deal with very special things like, I mean, asynchronity is not a special thing, but we have a deep dive. So we see that the problems that might occur, the various approaches you can take when you're dealing with asynchronity, because it's so common in, in JavaScript. And of course, also about mm. the mocking. So we really discuss if mocking is required all the time are there all some alternatives and so on so it's not just about this is just this is how you use it it's also more about when should you use it and what possibilities do you have in general and um yeah that's that, that that's more or less it at the end we will also we, we also have a small a small Theoretical unit where I cover the architecture as well, because this is also important. Quite often, we have an application and we don't really know what tests should I write and which tests should I don't write, and so on. And here, also, an architecture, good architecture can also give you hints. It can say, okay, these, uh, if, if we have different module types, then you also have already an indicator which test strategy you should apply to these different module types. And before I forget it, of course, we're also covering storybook and the visual regression with the screenshotting and RxJS models. I mean, this is in Angular, of course. So you have a lot of RxJS code there. And um, RxJS models might not be something that you apply everywhere, only in special cases, but there, they are really valuable. So, So that's why we also include that.
0: Wow oh, that sounds amazing. So for whom is this workshop suitable, whom would you recommend to do this workshop?
1: Yes, uh, so actually for every angular developer who has an interest in a in a, in a stable and, and and good application, also for people who might not be in the development operations so day- to day business anymore but more have more or less have a leading role or architecture and so on. Uh, But I think there are also some requirements. So it should not be the case uh, that you um, participate in this workshop when you are an Angular beginner. So when you're making your first steps in in Angular, I would definitely not recommend that you do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have other workshops for that, by the way. And uh, you should also have some experience in terms of testing. It would be good if you have already read the official documentation in Angular that you know a little bit what the Angular CLI generated spec files, what they are doing, why they look like this. So if you have some kind of knowledge experience, it would be very good. So I I would even recommend it that Mm -hmm. you have some experience in testing.
0: Yeah, I really like this approach because it shows it's an advanced workshop where everyone who knows Angular can learn a lot about testing.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, the disadvantage is there are some people which we have to leave leave out. But um, yeah, it's not okay. it's not it's not for infinity. So as, as soon as you as you are experienced in Angular, if you have written some code, some testing code, you are ready for the workshop.
0: Yeah. First things first, we have to do this step by step or people have to learn everything step by step. I always say, first of all, you have to bake the birthday cake and then you can stick or put the candles into it, not in the other direction, which would end up with a mess, I guess
1: would be good idea. Yes.
0: Yeah. So the workshop takes place online. Is this as good as an on-site workshop?
1: Uh, it's different. Uh, so so, so the thing is, I, I, I want to avoid to say that's better, that's not so good. Uh, of course, I am missing the on-site experience. So the direct communication with the participants and so on, uh, that's of course something that I really miss and that you don't have in an online setting. Nevertheless, what you have in an online setting is actually that you don't have to fly to some a city far away and need to spend some time, book a hotel and so on. It's just very it's just more comfortable. You just open your laptop or whatever you have and you can join. So that's much easier. And of course, you are also meeting there are people from all around the world, especially when it is a public workshop in English language. Uh, Then you also hear quite some opinions that or Mm. can talk to people which you usually don't come into contact. Because you just are too far away so this is uh, definitely something and of course so we also have here the, the possibility to share uh let's say when you have some problems in, in, in the exercises it's much easier at least from my perspective uh, to work that person because i just need to say let's go into a breakout room you are just sharing my screen with me and it's better than just uh, if, if i need to sit down and say i go away one meter and then <laughs> type in uh, exactly. yeah hmm. so that's not uh that, that's not required here
0: yeah i i totally feel you so <laughs> i have the same impression that this is really a huge benefit yeah helping each other
1: yeah
0: yeah cool so Rainer, thanks for being our guest today thank you and yeah have a nice day see you around bye bye
1: Thanks, too. Yeah. Goodbye, Manfred, and goodbye to the rest of you. See you. Ciao. Ciao.